Need more energy throughout the day? Looking for a kick to your workout? RockinThatIDLife.com has you covered with delicious flavors you've grown to love in tropical fruit and mixed berry, but now fall in love with the new fruit punch and orange flavors. Try them all at RockinThatIDLife.com. Realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage LLC makes the moving process easier. Work with a realtor who plays and studies the game and will work as hard as the boys on the ice to get you the best deal. Check out Mike on the web at strikewithmike.com and jumpstart your move today. That's strikewithmike.com. Hi, everybody. This is Ken Wilson. Once upon a time, I broadcast blues hockey. I always listen to Let's Go Blues Radio. It's everything you'll want as a blues fan. Oh, baby. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice, it was determined that the play was offside, no goal! You do that, you go to the box, you know, uh, two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame. So, your sweetie finally comes to a game and you barely play. Is that more awkward than puberty, or is it pretty close? Your mitt looks like a boa constrictor unhinged its jaw in an effort to consume a combat submarine. Let's do that hockey. Welcome to episode 18 of season 11. This is episode number 394, all time of the often imitated, never duplicated, you wish we weren't so fucking awkward, bud. We're the original St. Louis Blues hockey podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. Special thanks to our sponsors, rockinthatidlife.com and strikewithmike.com, as well as Center Ice Brewery and centericebrewery.com for proudly sponsoring the show. Please check them out right now. We'll wait. We'll sit here. We'll wait. Go ahead. Check them out. Uh, don't forget to check out our T-shirt <laughs> shop over at letsgoblues.com for some well-designed and fairly priced blues-themed T-shirts. It's Wednesday, January 25th. We are streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. To interact with the show on social media, our handle on all social channels is LGB Radio. Just search for us and you'll find us. And if you haven't done so, please like, follow, subscribe, ring the bell, buy a t-shirt from our shop, yell from the top of your house, go up to your roof, tell everyone how great Let's Go Blues Radio is, do whatever you can to help us out. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder, and I'm joined by the always insightful Bill Day. Kurt Price is on assignment. The agenda for tonight includes discussion about the Blues' recent seven-game homestand, where this team is heading, All-Star Weekend festivity additions, and the Canucks' strange head coaching situation going on right now. All that and more on this widely anticipated episode of Let's Go Blues Radio. So no Kurt tonight. You get Bill and I. Um, definitely the sexiest host is here. I'll let you decide which one that is. But uh, no Kurt. So, Bill, you're going to get some airtime tonight. Am I? I don't know. I might just talk the whole time. I know. We've, we've, we've been on here like like three minutes already. And these are my first words. Well, that's how it goes, my friend. Oh, like I said, uh, once you host the show, you can talk all you want. Mm, uh, someday. Someday. Yep. Will, so, we'll Kurt's still... Kurt's still dealing with the crud, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that guy. So we're coming up on a, a month tomorrow, right? Yeah, that poor yeah, guy. Yeah, he he missed uh, he missed uh, the the Christmas gathering um, that uh, 
uh, his work friends and I always have. And that was a month ago. That's, that's craziness. My goodness. Uh, so we've got, uh, Okay, Austin, first of all, I'm going to punch you in the face. Uh, there's a couple comments here from our friend, I thought friend, Austin Lynch. Um, he says here, though, uh, OMG, Kurt, you fixed the center ice ad in the description. That was me. So give me that kudos, Austin, because uh, I made sure to fix that today as I was going over stuff to do tonight's show. Um, again, uh, so we got uh, the Meeker says, hello, everybody. Feels better soon, Kurt. Um, and then, uh, Matt Harris says, Bill face of the show day. How about that? Yeah. No comment from you. <laughs> no comment. It's just face. It's just fit. You're just a face. Yeah. You don't talk. You're just a face. <laughs> uh, so any, uh, any news from you in the past week? Anything, uh, what's been going on in the life of Bill day? Uh, you know, too much work, too much work. And too much work. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have my favorite hockey team to bring me joy right now. So true. Um, yeah, for me, uh, kind of just shit in the house. Um, the, uh, the, the boy uh, was sick for about a week and a half, getting better now, still on medication to improve. He had ear infections and a, a sinus infection and found out later that he had um, the germs for strep throat. I don't think he ever actually had it. Uh, but then we found out the wife had it. So she's been sick all week with strep throat. So uh, I don't have my tonsils, so I'm less likely to get it, but I can get it. So I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for that to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So if it hasn't happened by now, I'm hoping that means it won't happen. Well, lesson learned, don't let Kurt babysit your kid. True. Very good point. Yep. That sick you, motherfucker. You get the crud. That's right. Uh, so official beers of episode number 394. Remember, you can follow each of us on the Untapped app. Uh, the absent Kurt Price is at Price 12 You can follow me at jponder94. Bill Day is at billyblunote33. Bill, what do you got for us tonight? Uh, I'm going with an oldie and a goodie and something that's not going to completely knock my um, uh, overly tired ass out in <laughs> one drink. Um, the Founders Tilt it. Tilt her a little bit. That's that's a little better. Here you go. Well, Founders Breakfast Stout. I've had it on the show a million times. It is... <clears throat> It's probably my desert island beer. If if I were to be dropped on a desert island with only one beer for the rest of my life, it would be it. So can't go wrong with this amazing coffee step. I got a couple different choices tonight. I went to Sam's the other day and they had they have a pretty nice actually selection of the bigger packs, twelve to twenty-four packs of beer. So I stocked up last night or a couple of weeks or a couple nights ago. Got some Citywide, which is a great one. Uh, got some Pale Ale from uh, Schlafly. Even picked up some Coors Light just for, you know, the hell of it. Um, of course, I put all these in front of me. We'll see how many of them I drink. But the one that I am sticking with tonight as my beer of the episode is the Urban Underdog, an American lager from uh, Urban Chestnut. Again, just a good smooth uh, beer that 
I could chug if I wanted to. It's a good chugging beer, but um, I'm not going to do that because I am 37 years old. So uh, we don't do that anymore, right? You know, every now and then, I'll admit, okay, I take that back. So the wife and I, I think I mentioned before, she's a big Chiefs fan. We went to a uh, the Chiefs game. Uh, well, not the game. We went to uh, the local Chiefs bar to watch the Chiefs game. Uh, Weber's front row in um, Webster Groves. Yeah. And we went there, and it was a great time. And again, I'm not a huge – I'm not a Chiefs fan myself. I support them because they're the state team. And like I said, the wife's a fan. I've got family that are fr- uh, fans. But I did, I'll admit, when they won, I, if they won, I said, okay, if they win, I'm going ch- to chug a beer. And I did. First time I've chugged a beer in probably 10 years. Not even going to lie about that. It's been a long time. So brought back to my college days. Mm. Oh, oh. I yeah, got a little the... uh, Matt Harris making fun of me here. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you going to say, Bill? Um, yeah, I, I was going to apologize. Uh, a car drove by and my, my dog has taken to barking at everything that drives by and that's often. So I apologize, but uh, yeah, I chugging beers is, is one of those things that uh, there are like two times I do it. And one is I, I will chug a shandy after I get done cutting the grass in the summer. There is nothing better than that. Like, yeah. You know, just falling back into the into your uh, deck chair, chugging a beer. Um, the other time is uh, shower beer, which is a oh, very rare occasion. I but, I do love myself a good shower beer, and, yeah. and I found there's only certain beers that are good in the shower. Um, it's funny because like I'll, there was I remember there was one time years ago where I grabbed a shower beer, or I was going to go grab a shower beer, and I'm looking in the fridge, I'm looking in the fridge, and my wife is like, just, what are you doing? What, what are you looking for? I was like, we don't have any good shower beer. She's like, we've got beer in a can. That's what you're looking for, right? And I'm like, no, beer in a can is not the only thing that constitutes a shower beer. And she thought I was insane. Only certain beer. What is your, do you have a go-to shower beer? Um, the last one that I did was, um, uh, wasn't too long ago, actually. It was after a very long day of, uh, trying to get the garage to a place where we could get at least one car in because we're still digging up from our messy move. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say it was, um, I think it was surly furious. I had, uh, I had gotten some of those earlier in the year and still had one in the back of the fridge. And I'm like, it's time for this one. And yeah. it worked, worked pretty well. Usually I, I go for something lighter. Um, but that, no, I take it back. It was, um, it was a holiday ale, of the, uh, Boulevard. Nice. They're one of their, um, their holiday ales. And it was a red can, but it was, it was great. Yeah, I, uh, for me, uh, this is this is actually my shower beer is the citywide. I I don't know what it is, but it just hits me right when I'm in a nice warm shower, and uh, just there's nothing beats it. I I've had people tell me that shower beers are for Hoosiers. Okay, sure, fine, call me a Hoosier, but I just I don't know. There's nothing like it for me. It's like it's it's usually on Fridays is the only time I'll do it because it's like. You know, it's Friday, weekend's coming, you know, weekend's here, I guess, and, you know, work's done for the day, and, okay, I just worked out, now it's time to have a couple drinks and relax, 
And uh, it's just shower beer, man. This this yeah. is where the party starts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, we got a couple comments here we'll get to real quick. Uh, Kurt Price, uh, our friend in the chat, says Bush Light isn't the best anything. Oh, he was said, I was told uh, that Bush Light is the best shower beer. That can't be right. Bush Light isn't the best anything. I agree with you. Uh, and, uh, he says, I wouldn't drink Bush if it were free. I've had it when it was dirt cheap. No, thanks. Stag is my go-to cheap local beer. Um, and, uh, I'll say again, I mentioned Coors Light. This is my go-to cheap beer. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm a silver bullet kind of guy. So that's the one I go to. It's not local, but that's okay. Yeah. I, I, at this point in my life, I don't have one of those. Like I, I just, yeah, Excel shandies are fairly cheap in the summer and easy to stock in the fridge. That and the um, the three one two shandies, anything like that. That's that's kind of my my cheaper go to beers. To yeah, stock I do the fridge with. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not a big like at this point in my life. I'm not buying the cheap beer at all. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the only time I do is when I know we're gonna have like anyone over. Like I know I have certain people in my life who will literally, they don't care what the beer is. They just want to drink beer. So I'll say, okay, well then I'm not going to go and buy, you know, semi expensive beer. I'll put some Coors light in the fridge and they can drink that and I'll drink my beer. So, you know, and after a couple, I'll be like, yeah, I can switch to Coors light. I won't notice the difference. Yeah. (laughs) My goodness. There's some mom talk going on. There's Uh some mom talk going on in the chat right now. Good Lord. Uh, Ken Morris, I got to agree with you here. Uh, my favorite beer is free beer. I'm with you. Uh, hang out with me one night, Ken. Come down to St. Louis. You'll have a, a couple free beers on you. Kurt says he'll buy them. Haha, he's not here to refute. Uh, so chat, we'll, that's okay. We, we will just ignore him when he says he won't. Um, so we're going to take a break here, everybody. We'll be right back with some blues talk, uh, unfortunately. Uh, The Blues wrap up their season-long seven-game homestand with losses to Chicago and Buffalo. We'll try and understand what went wrong on the other side of this break from our friends over at RockinThatIDLife.com. This is St. Louis. Uh, This is. (laughs) Wow, that was harking back to our first season. This (laughs) This is Let's Go Blues Radio. Every beer league hockey night, I grab my hockey bag and sticks and throw them in the trunk of my car. And the very next thing I do, I mix up a boost of energy courtesy of RockinThatIDLife.com. It's formulated to break up its delivery in three ways, which helps me get through all three periods of hockey. Phase one provides a rapid onset of energy, concentration, alertness, and motivation. By period two, I'm receiving a dose of sustained energy, increased focus, metabolism, cognitive function, performance, and feelings of well-being, which I need with the way I play. In Phase 3, I'm getting fatigue protection without jitters and crash, an elevated mood and a reduction of fluid retention to help me make the big play when it counts. This same triphasic approach helps me when I drink it during work hours or simply just for a pick-me-up when I need it. Try one of the four energy flavors by visiting rockinthatidlife.com, but make sure to email Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you to receive an additional 10% off your order. That's rockinthatidlife.com. Yeah, Kurt Price over in the chat. Uh, yeah, 
what am I, I mean, that's one of my favorite like memories as a kid hearing that every game. It always meant that's game time, right? This is St. Louis blues hockey. Yep. Good stuff. Yep. It's yeah. The I've, I've listened to a lot of games on the radio uh, to start at least this year. And um, it still, it takes me back every time I hear it. It, I, I am, you know, seven years old, driving around with, you know, coming home from hockey and that comes on and it's no no better nostalgic feeling for me. Yep. Uh, I was listening to the radio last night with the blues and Sabres game and hearing Kerber talk about, I think that was his first season with the blues. Uh, He was talking about the Wednesday night wonder that we've mentioned before the five, nothing comeback against the Maple Leafs. Uh, he was talking about that game, and it it just instantly brings back this rush of memories for me when I hear, you know, because he called the game, and he was talking about how he remembers calling it. And, again, it just reminds me of sitting on my couch. You know, I think I had a, a an early hockey game myself that, that night, and uh, we got home, and it was already like 3 nothing Maple Leafs by the time we got home. And um, just my dad saying, why are we even watching this shit? And then they go out on five nothing in the third, and he's like, "I'm turning this shit off." And we turned on something else. And then, like, I remember just commercial break on whatever we were watching. He turns it back on, and it was it was five one. I think it was five one. And the Maple Leafs took a penalty, and that's when Ken Wilson made the comment, "You don't think, do you? Do you remember that?" And I think it was Bernie on the call with him, and Bernie was like, "Well." And then they scored right on that power play. I think it was Al McKinnis slap shot from the point. And I remember my dad going to turn it off again. And I'm like, nope, we got to watch it now. And he's like, they ain't scoring three more goals. I'm like, yeah, they are. It's like, at least just give them a chance. This team's pretty damn good. (laughs) So this is a much different team we're going to be talking about here tonight. Uh, The Blues in their seven-game homestand. They go 3-4-0 in their season-long seven-game homestand. Uh, so they play, so we'll, we'll run down these games real quick here. Uh, first game was that first one against Calgary was a four, three overtime win. And then a four, one loss to Calgary, then a four, two loss to Tampa two, one win versus Ottawa five, two win versus Nashville five, two loss to Chicago, which may rank as one of the worst losses we've seen this team have in years. Uh, and then a 5-3 loss to Buffalo uh, just this past uh, – uh, uh, was that last night? Was that last night? Yes. That was last night. Yes. Yes. Feels like oh. five years ago, but it was It does. <laughs> it does. Uh, so going into the homestand, the Blues were 7-8-2 at home. Best for – that was for 25th in the league with a 4.71% uh, winning percentage. Um, so you kind of – and we talked about this last week, that their their record at home is awful. And it's, okay, seven-game homestand here. Let's see what they can do. You know, not saying – because, you know, there's some tough teams there. Calgary, they're battling for a playoff spot. Tampa's clearly one of the best in the league. Ottawa's, I think, slightly underperforming. Uh, Nashville, clearly good team. Chicago is fucking awful. Uh, Buffalo's having a decent season. So it wasn't an easy homestand, but you're like, okay, you've been pretty rough at home of late. Let's see you get some wins, some big wins here. I think the one that stands out clearly is the Chicago game. You win that one, all of a sudden you're 4-4-0 on your homestand. Okay, not terrible. 
But uh, yeah, just you expected more. And after the homestand, now the Blues are 10, 12, and 2 at home. Again, stay in 25th, standing pat with a 458 winning percentage at home. Awful. You, you thought those numbers would climb a little bit. Even with the injuries, you were hoping those numbers would climb at home. They got a three-game uh, road trip coming up, so it'll be interesting to see how they react uh, now with the three-game road trip. But uh, not a good look at home uh, in, in your season-long homestand. Yeah, just, you know, it started off pretty promising with that uh, well-hard-fought overtime win against Calgary. Uh, and then two nights later, they they just look like a different team. Um, you know, didn't expect a whole lot against Tampa. And I, I think that was, you know, the result that I expected. Um, great games against Ottawa, Nashville, probably, you know, the best game the Blues have played all season, most complete game they've played all season. Um, so, you know, going into that Chicago game, you, you're thinking, great. It, the Hawks have been playing well. I think they had won um, five of six coming into that game. Um, but just, you know, just like last night, the last two nights, the wheels fall off very early in the game and they just they can't ever get back into it completely. And it's so disappointing. Um, you know, the Sabres had a great start to the season and have, you know, they're outside looking in right now themselves. So really these, these were points you had to get. And if there was any hope of salvaging this season, it, I think it was, it would have been signaled by back-to-back wins in the last few games of this homestand to bring us back to 500. That's yeah. All. I mean, yeah, back to back wins put you at, at five and three on the or five and five and wait, two. No, five and two. It, four, four we and can't three. do math, folks. No, it's it would be four and three. You screwed yeah. yourself up earlier because you said they would go four and four on a seven game homestand. Yeah, that that's what it was. Yep, you're right. Holy yep. shit. Um, no, I uh, no, and that's the and and what Kurt said in the chat here. Uh, Chicago may have been the straw that broke this team this year. I that game, and you're right. Bill, they were playing, the Blackhawks were playing some good hockey going into the Blues game, but they allowed, what, three goals on four shots? Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Biddington's worst game, I thought. Yeah, he didn't play great. I, I didn't I didn't like his game, but I don't think he, again, I'm not trying to say that he wasn't in fault at all, but there was some backdoor chances again by the Blackhawks, just just utterly bad overall defense, including your goaltending that you needed to have. Again, maybe you look at each goal in a microscope and say Bennington should have had that, or maybe, or maybe you say Bennington couldn't have had that one. You got to come up with big saves. You got to make the big saves every now and then. And when you're going down three, nothing against a shit hockey team, who is, let's face it. They are doing everything in their fucking power. To, to tank. tank and get Connor yeah. Bedard, um, yeah. and and they'll lose that game, and it just such yeah they came back and they made it a game, but man, when you're in a three nothing hole, and you just three goals on four shots, that just cannot happen to a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. No, and you know going back to Bennington real quick, the Lafferty breakaway goal, that mm. that was just bad. I mean he he left that five hole wide open. It was it was date I thought night of or you. something. I don't know. I I thought of you when that goal happened. I was like, because I remember, I think it was last year. Um, Kurt said something about 
Um, yes, breakaways can be a goalie's fault too. And I remember thinking like, oh, what, what's Bill going to say to that? And I remember you nodding your head and going, yeah, they can be. And that was one of those examples. He was he just not set. What what was what was the issue there? What I, he let that just slip right through him. Yeah, I I think he had to have been convinced that Lafferty was going to try to go upstairs on him. Um, you know that seems to be the book. Everybody tries to go glove side high on him this year, and he just yeah he left that five hole wide open. Um, and and all it takes right he you know he he reacted to it, but it just half half a second too late and you know nhl caliber player even on a shit team like the blackhawks is gonna hit that every time yeah yeah that was that was bad um and yeah the the buffalo game um buff listen buffalo has a good offense tage thompson had a big game jeff skinner always seems to rip the blues apart but they it seemed like every single chance that they had to clear the puck out of their zone to get it out. They couldn't do it. Um, I think it was uh, – oh, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Um, there was somebody – I think it was the third goal where I think it was uh, – I'm, I'm so sorry. I should have notes here, folks. I'm terrible. Um, the puck was in the middle. Blues had a chance to clear. There was three Blues players there, and they just miffed it. Just absolutely didn't do anything with the puck. And then all of a sudden, it's in the back of your net. And that's what's going to happen against a any NHL-caliber team. And that's what happened to this team multiple times. Again, multiple backdoor goals we've seen in the past week, which is not a shock with this team anymore. Um, just in their own zone. It's And, and, and again, I, I know I said last week, this defense was built to manage the pucks. When they don't have the puck, they look lost. Uh-huh. And... They looked lost a lot in these last two games because they don't know how to defend. And and we'll get to this a little bit more after the next break. But, I mean, good Lord, they they don't look like a team that understands how defensive structure works in hockey. No, not at all. And to start that game last night, it you know, I I do fault Peruby a little bit. you know, we don't want to break down the shit that was that game. But um, to start it off, you know, start off with your fourth, third or fourth line, whatever you were calling it at that point, um, with a defensive pair of Tyler Tucker and Tory Krug, and you put Tucker on the right, that hung him out to dry. He had an extended shift. Krug changed out for Pareko, and Pareko and Tucker together have no chemistry. And yeah. by the time the Blues' top line got on the ice, we were down 2 nothing. It was absolute worst possible start. Well, and man, I hate to, because I'm going to do this later too. I hate to completely dog on Colton Pareko, but yeah, you can't put a rookie out there with Colton Pareko. That's pretty much the worst player in the NHL to put a rookie on a defensive pairing with because he is going to leave him to hang out and dry Mm -hmm. left and right. He's going to... Uh, uh, basically try to stick check rather than pick up mm-hmm. guys in front. And Tyler Tucker needs a guy that can kind of show him the ropes a little bit. Uh, that's not Colton Pareko. Uh, we talked about it last week. Is he at Eric Brewer level? He's getting pretty goddamn close. So, uh, again, Blues are now going on the road for a three-game trip. Um, 
I guess this was Kurt that added this language in here. Uh, Blues now go on the road for a three-game trip for me to poop on. <laughs> I definitely did not write that. Uh, they... <laughs> Thanks for that, buddy. Uh, Arizona, they go to against uh, Arizona Thursday night, Avalanche on Saturday afternoon, and then Winnipeg on Monday. Uh, then they are back again, unfortunately, for a four-game homestand against the Coyotes, Panthers, Devils, and Avalanche. Now, the good news with that homestand coming up after this this road trip, Coyotes are not having a good year. Panthers are not having a good year. Devils have been up and down. Avalanche are starting to hit their stride, but still not where you'd expect them to be. Um, so you got to hope that on this next homestand, or on this next road trip, they got to figure it out uh, because you got to start getting these points. Otherwise, I think you look at the next seven games, the three-game road trip and the seven-game or four-game homestand. If they're not marginally, like even just marginally better, just you know, five and two, uh, f- even four and three on this road or this this next seven-game step, I think you got to throw in the towel in the season. They they well, have got to gain points here. Right. I, I think it's got to be on the road trip because they come home. You see, they got the three games on the road. They come home. They they get two games in before the all-star break. I think yep. Armstrong has got to start preparing for the all-star break and potential trade talks. You know, usually it doesn't happen at the all-star break, but you have to have your strategy in place in case it does. And I think he's going to be focused on that and ready to make some decisions on this team going down to Florida for the all-star break. I agree with that. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Almost missed it. I'm glad I uh, glad I got it. Thank you, the Meeker. He actually reminded me in the chat there. Um, so uh, we will actually continue this discussion uh, at the end of the other end of this break. Uh, Blues uh, did not update that copy, so we'll just say uh, the Blues. Uh, have not been good lately. Uh, as we talked about the last two games, we'll talk about them a little bit more. What do you do with this defense? What do you do with the coaching? A lot of questions going on with this team right now. We'll talk about it in a little bit more. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Now we're going to hear from our friend over at strikewithmike.com. During the magical 2019 playoff run, I was in the midst of buying my current home. Every time I spoke with my realtor, obviously, home buying was the discussion. But in the back of my mind, I couldn't stop thinking about what was destined to happen for our St. Louis hockey team. If only there were a realtor who could have walked me through the process, held my hand when needed, but was there to be a sounding board when I wanted to complain about a certain hand pass goal. Let realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage be that for you. He'll have your needs top of mind as he skates you through the home buying or selling process, dangling you past any obstacles, and assisting on all your home goals. Check out strikewithmike.com for more information or give him a call directly at 314-753-4060. That's Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage at strikewithmike.com and that number again is 314-753-4060. Don't forget to tell Mike that Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. So before we get to the next topic, I'm uh, going to kind of cut in here with a little discussion from uh, Jeremy Rutherford, friend of the show, uh, recently posted an article, actually tonight, uh, a couple hours before we went on live, um, basically a uh, conversation with Ryan O'Reilly, who is still on the injury reserve. Uh, he says, I want to be here. Uh, 
he basically said he would stay and he's open to a team friendly deal. Uh, he did say, though, if they do plan on rebuilding, he'd need to re- reevaluate. He wants to win. Uh, so basically, as long as they're still in a winning mentality in the next couple of years. Um, so interesting to hear him officially say that he'd take a team friendly deal. I mean, that that's the kind of thing, you know, we made about made fun of Nathan McKinnon. Right. How he. Oh, I'll take less money just to play here and, and win a cup here. And well, he wins a cup and then it's okay. Give me a max contract. And, you know, so that kind of language, when he says that, you know, you pretty much, you're either going to have to stick to that or get a lot of flack from people about how you said you'd take a team friendly deal, but then you didn't. So I think at this point in his career, I could see him meaning that and saying, yeah, I, I just want to win again. Give me another championship. Pay me somewhat what I deserve. Let's go get another one. Um, I just wonder how much he looks and realizes that his defense all have no trade clauses because uh, you're not going to win with this defense. Right, right. I, I think that was the perfect place to plug this in uh, for tonight's discussion, uh, given uh, that uh, – this next segment is going to be nothing but what the fuck was Doug thinking about these <laughs> defenseman's contracts? Holy shit. Yeah. So would, would you be happy with them keeping O'Reilly? Like, I, I, and I wonder too, to, to kind of add on that as I ask a question and then I decide I'm going to talk. Um, <laughs> I wonder if he'd be I'm interested in a, we're going to trade you now, but kind of the Doug Waite, Keith Kachuk mentality. We'll trade you. If you want to win, we're going to get assets for you, but then come back in the summer and we'll resign you. I wonder if he's open to that too. Uh, I I would think not. Um, I think, you know, he, he doesn't want to win just one more time. Right. And I, I think that's kind of what, you know, where Waite and Kachuk were, they never had their chance. Right. He's, he's won before. He wants that again and again. And say he goes to Toronto, you know, somehow magically they fit him in under the cap there. Um, he goes there and he wins. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the homecoming every Canadian boy dreams of. You, you win the Leafs their first cup since, you know, 67, right? And I don't see him leaving. If, if they can, you know, work some, you know, some cap space, caps going on next year, I think he'd, you know, after that point, he'd take a hometown discount to stay there. Um, so I, I don't like that. Um, I, I think if Doug can work some magic, you know, convince him that you know, we're going to be competitive, it's not going to be this year, it's not going to be next year, but we'll give you a three year deal by the third year we're going to be competitive again. You know, we'll, we will have reshaped things and you're going to be our, you know, at that point, probably our third line center. I I'd, I'd see that deal. But man, I mean, the, the, the problem with that is, I mean, he can still provide you pretty solid effort, uh, gamesmanship. So is he really going to sit here and say, okay, yeah, we can suck for two years. And then on my last year, we can make a run. Or is he more like, I still want to win. Send me somewhere who can win now and the year after and the year after. Yeah, I, 
That's the I question. Know. I mean, I, I I would think you you'd almost have to promise them stay here, and next trade deadline we'll bring back David Perron for you, right? That that, <laughs> that seems to be the, the you know to me um, the the clearest way to keep him here, right? Uh, Perron's on a two year deal, um, so if if the Blues are anywhere close to it next year, try to work out a deal with Eiserman and bring him back. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's just going to be so tough. Um, and unless they can, you know, like, is there an adult professional hockey league, um, NHL level, you know, <laughs> advanced defenseman school that we might be able to send Pareko to and reteach him the position? Uh, I I don't know. I just I don't, and and I'm not making a joke here. I don't know how Ryan O'Reilly can look at this team's structure, this defense, especially, and, and again, not just the defenseman, mostly the defenseman, but the structure overall of the way this team plays defense and say, yeah, we could win now. I just, I don't see how a man who understands the game as well as he does and works as hard as he does to look at this and say, yeah, let's keep this running. We can do something. You know, I, because again, you look at the the no trade clauses on this defense; it's not getting any better in the next five years, unless you can convince these guys to waive their no movement or no trade clauses. It's just I don't know. It I feel like this comes with it, this comes with some more strings attached for O'Reilly. I if he's really thinking about this the right way, he's saying, "I will stay if you don't rebuild." And we go to win. And I think behind the curtain, he's telling Armstrong, you also need to find a way to figure out this fucking God awful defense. That's the only way this team can win is if you improve there somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's gotta be somebody that will, you know, I think Krug would be open to a move elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Pareko. You know, that that's I, I think at this point, especially after the other article that JR had that came out today, um, he's a third pairing defenseman in uh, practice today. Um, and Barube's, you know, finally trying to send a message to him. You know, that's, uh, you know, I don't think that kind of wake up call is going to going to do it for him. Maybe, maybe it does, but man, I, I just, I think he's the guy that everybody would, would, you know, cast aside right away, but who would take him? He just got demoted to the third line and he's, you know, the, uh, you know, tied for most expensive defenseman with the longest contract that we have here. Yeah. hundred percent. Not, not a good situation. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk uh, about this defense, um, and and maybe even the overarching conversation here is, you know, how does it get better to keep guys like Ryan O'Reilly, even maybe a Vladimir Tarasenko here on team friendly deals? Uh, Justin Falk, no trade clause, uh, and and okay, who has no trade clauses on the defense? Justin Falk, uh, Tori Krug, Colton Pareko. Nick Letty, Marco Scandella has a modified no trade clause. Um, Falk, uh, Falk, Krug, and Pareko all make six point five million dollars. 
uh, at least with the cap hit. Uh, and Falcon Kruger until 2027-28. Pareko is until 2029-2030. How about that? In 2029, we will still be watching Colton Pareko turn the puck over in his own zone left and right. How sad does that make you? <laughs> Awful. Yeah. Awful to think that. I mean, you know, maybe by then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Is he is he still is he still a single guy? Um, has he has he had you know gotten to the point of being married, having kids? Because um, that no that idea. does change some people, right? And uh, I don't know. He's it. He still seems so young, and I don't know that you know this this is St. Louis where you know we're not Toronto where they're you know blogs and shit popular blogs uh, dedicated to to that kind of thing but i don't know what what can bring him back around mentally because i think that's the biggest thing with his game i I think his hockey iq plateaued after petro left it just like i think petro was like the pareko whisperer or something and could tell him what he needed to do and he would do it van ryan doesn't have it Right. No. And nobody else on this defense has that with them. So something's got to change. Um, you know, I think the, oh, the the biggest problem here is that Colton Pareko, and it has been proven since Petrangelo left, is not a number one in the NHL. He is a great supplementary piece. Um, and, and I'm not telling anybody listening to the show anything they don't already know. Um, he's good at moving the puck. Like once he gets the puck in the neutral zone. And, and we talk about he doesn't do it enough. Uh, but when he does, he moves the puck into the offensive zone fine. Once he's out of his own zone, he can find a forward on the breakout. But, man, defensively, he's garbage. I mean, he is a dumpster fire. He, again, I, I I make the joke, but I'm semi-serious. You might as well just play him on the fucking wing because yeah. he's not a defenseman. No, it, it's you know go go back to the the first goal last night, right? He Tyler Pitlick gets a turnover on Tage Thompson, but Thompson takes it right back. You know, Pareko just he he had been chasing around, and, and maybe it's the second goal I'm thinking of, but chasing the puck and left the slot wide open. And it was Parek or it was Tarasenko and Shen. It was the second goal. Tarasenko and Shen, and they're not positioned well to, you know, to get over and cover Tuck. And just easy goal. Just terrible, terrible chase job by him. And that's what he does too often. And when you're a guy that size with that wingspan, you should never get that far away from your slot. Right. You are not Kale McCarr. You you're you are a damn good skater. You've got good speed, but in your defensive zone, you need to dominate that slot. And he doesn't do that. Yep. So we talked about uh Fall Crook and Pareko. Uh Letty again, no trade clause as well. Four million dollars uh each year until twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven. Scandella two years left at three point uh two seven five. Portuzo, who I still, I will still say, I think was a good contract for him to sign a couple of years ago. Uh, he's at uh, 950K until 2024, 2025. 
Mikola uh, UFA at the end of the season, which we might discuss here in a little bit, a little bit more of what we've heard from Elliot Friedman. But uh, Kelly Rosen uh, has a $762,000 until 2024-2025 on the books. It's bad when you look at the names I just listed. Let me ask you, Bill, who's the best defenseman? Defense, Defense, moving it to the offense, playing defensive hockey. Who is it? It's Callie Rosen. It's Callie Rosen. And he is by far the least paid player that we just listed. And that's And did he play last night? No. No, he did not. Tyler Tucker and Nico Mikola played because Krug came back. I've walked... I've walked myself back a little bit on on Mikola. I I think he can still be a good, solid defenseman in the NHL for a long time, but I think he's had a rough year and a half. I don't I don't think he belongs as an everyday defenseman on this team. No, no, and you know Kurt uh, Kurt was Slack messaging us about um, you know that the rumor that's been floating out there that. Um, Edmonton might be kicking the tires on him, so maybe we should pump his tires instead yes. of you know tear him down. Yeah, Edmonton, he's, if you're uh, listening, um, he's he's a change of scenery guy, and and exactly you know, he's from Scandinavia. He likes it way up north, cold. Yep, do it. Oh, I love this. I I don't know why I haven't thought about this. Callie kiss from a Rosen <laughs> says Matt Harris. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, Best part of that movie, uh, Batman Forever, was that song. <laughs> um, or the, the Vacation Reboot. Oh, yeah. That was in that, wasn't it? Man, good call. Uh, no, so, again, we and we've broken this down, you know, for <laughs> at least a year now, that there's not really anything you can just do with this defense. You know, it's not like you can just say, well, it's easy. Trade this guy, you know, trade him for a draft pick, move him to a team that is rebuilding and will take on his contract. You can't do that with any of these guys. You know, is, is Tory crew going to accept a, a deal to Arizona? No, not going to happen. Is Justin Falk going to take a deal to go to Anaheim? No, absolutely not. Uh, you, you need to make a hockey trade for these guys, as they call it, because if they're going to get traded, again, maybe Doug Armstrong comes to him and says, hey, we're open to moving you. Where would you want to go? Where would you waive your no trade? There is a good chance all these guys could say, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm happy here. My My family loves it here. We're staying. But, you know, let's say. Tory Krug, for whatever reason, always seems to be the guy everybody goes to, right? Tory Krug's the guy you can move. Maybe he's the one that would waive his no trade clause. Okay, maybe he tells you, I'll go to Boston. You know, Boston might just be like, dude, we're having a record season. We don't need Tory Krug. Take no, your Tory Krug and shove it up your ass. Yeah, but Boston is shopping for a left defenseman. Right, because that's that. That was one thing on um, the, last week's thirty-two thoughts or this weekend's thirty-two thoughts that uh, you know they were kicking around. You know, where's Bo Horvat going to wind up in you know Boston or New Jersey? And um, I think Friedman said what he hears is Boston's looking for a left defenseman. Why not reunite them? Problem is long term. The contracts are long term, right? 
all of these guys are the defense are not short-term contracts. Look what short-term defense contracts get you. Ben Sherratt, a first rounder. What the fuck? I don't think we can get a first rounder for Krug. No. Because no team is looking to add that term. Well, that and it's a very deep draft coming up. Um, And I, yeah, I mean, Ben Sherratt was a, he was a UFA when he landed that, right? Right. So it's rentals, right? That's rental prices. None of the Blues defensemen are rentals. They are, they're going to be a fixture on your team. I hate to say it. Um, because it, listen, this defense is terrible, but if you just pluck one of these guys out of the contract or out of the, out of the defense and don't replace them, it actually will get worse. But I will say to unload one of these contracts, I would do that in a heartbeat. You know, if you could just move Tory Krug for a sixth round pick, I would at least consider it. Because I'm like, okay, that's a huge contract off the books that will allow the Blues to have a little bit of play money to figure this defense out. But when you have $6.5 million uh, invested in Falk, same price in Krug, same price in Pareko for multiple, multiple years, I think you have to consider, well, let's just remove one of these guys And that way, because if you don't, and you're talking about, and that's the talk, right? That's what people have done. Well, you got to add somebody to this defense to make them better. You're going to put more money into this defense. You got to eventually spend money on offense. Like it's not, it can't just be six high priced defensemen. And then Thomas and Cairo is your whole team. You can't do that. Right. And, and that that's clearly that was Armstrong's strategy was to have a what I'm sure he thought is a modestly priced defense. Everybody at six and a half and no higher. Right. You know, I think that's the middle finger to Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I know, Kurt, I know that it wasn't the money with him, but I, I think that, you know, that's every time he hands out a six and a half contract, because that's what Petro was on before he got his money in term and no trade, no movement from Vegas. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's a message that he sent out. And he's like, you know, I, I think that's that's a good market rate for, you know, top quality NHL defensemen, except he overvalued at least one of those guys. Uh, and now I think we've overplayed Justin Falk and he's regressing hardcore. Oh, yes, he is. He is not. He, he I thought he looked great again to, to start the season in terms of Blues defensemen. Clearly the best. I think he's right there with. Krug, not maybe not Pareko, but Letty, uh, Bortuzzo. He's he has not been the defenseman that the number one guy that kind of usurped the role uh, from Pareko. He's not been that. No. Um, and uh, so we got a comment here from the Meeker. Uh, Krug has been injured a lot. Also, would anyone take him again? I think I think there are teams that would take him. I I really do. I think again in Arizona. In Anaheim, teams that are like, we are kind of in the middle of a rebuild. And by the time that we're ready in two to three years, we'll already have this defenseman that can move the puck really well 
and can do this, can do that, and we can plug in on the power play. Like, I think there are teams that would welcome him even at that contract, but the problem is that no trade clause. He's not going to a team like that. He's going to a winner, and a winner is not taking on that contract right now. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I'll add, too, that um, I – and we've talked about with this defense before too, that individually I look at this defense and I say, okay, Justin Falk, Tori crew, Colton Pareko, Nick Letty, even Marco Scandella. That's not bad. Those guys are bad individually, but they are not working They're They just don't work. Um, even last year, it, this clearly this team was a high powered scoring machine and they still kind of are at this point. And they got a solid goaltender back there that will stop the pucks. He's supposed to stop, but you're not going to beat the best of the West with this defense. I don't care if you think you can put up 10 goals a game, you're going to give up 11. You're just, you're not going to win with this defense. So the question becomes, what can you do? You know, what can you do? And uh, so, again, you mentioned that uh, we've been kind of chatting with Kurt on the side about Edmonton possibly kicking the tires on uh, Nico Mikola. I know that he's young. He's not one of the high-paid defensemen. If you can get anything for any of these defensemen, I think you do it. You know, I think what you got to hope for at this point is a Tyler Tucker steps in and plays well. A Dmitry... Uh, Samarukov, Samarukov yeah. steps in and maybe he can play better D. And you get these guys kind of on entry level deals, lower level level deals that can step in and maybe they find some chemistry with each of these guys. And for a couple of years, maybe things work out. Um, but Mikola clearly not one of those guys that's been able to do that with any of these guys. So I'm all for. If you can get anything for him, a draft pick, a mid-level prospect, I do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it looks like one of these people in the chat has access to our private document outline of yeah. the show. Yeah, it does. Did you notice it? that? I did. Did you notice that? So, so yeah, yeah so he's, I, he's, I do. He's, uh, he's stealing our lead. Right. He's either that or he's telling us to hurry the fuck up. But uh, just real quick, I want to get to comments from uh, Divide by Zero. Um, he's he's taken uh, time off of work to, to listen to us and ask us to, to comment on the brain trust. Um, I, I don't think we're there yet. And, you know, I'm going to use this as our segue into the next section. I think it's it's you're looking at coaching adjustments first. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about like, you know, okay, so what is McTavish doing here now? Um, he, he was like, he, he was brought in to, to fill in, um, for the guy that has the best team in the league. Um, so maybe we missed an opportunity for the wholesale coaching change. Um, you know, not turning it over to Jim Montgomery while we had him in the organization. Um, but I think, uh, you know, to Kurt's point, you got to look at Van Ryan at this point, right? You, you have to make an adjustment on the coaching staff. Um, probably the, the best defensive coach out there just went to Vancouver, 
uh, with uh, uh, Pocket <laughs> and Sergey Gonchar. In a very um, loud way, too. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think I don't think we're at the brain trust level yet. Um, I don't think you make an example of Chirelli um, just yet. Um, I, I think in that case, you, you kind of hope somebody comes along and offers him a job you know, a, a higher level job in another organization. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we're at the brain trust level just yet. I think Armstrong gets a chance to try to make this right. Um, and I, I don't think Tom Stillman will force him out ever. I think when Armstrong goes, it's going to be on his terms. So, so my only part of that is that I'll say, uh, before we move on to Van Ryan here, um, I'm with you to a certain extent um, because I've said this on the show before. As pissed off as I am at how bad this defense is, um, every time that uh, Armstrong made one of these signings, I remember the day that Petran. well, he signed Krug and then Petrangelo left. I remember that seeing him sign Krug and being excited. Like, that's a great fucking sign. 6.5 for Tory Krug? Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. I thought the Colton Pareko extension. Great. Yeah. Justin Falk. Oh, my God. We're going to win another cup because that was the year right after the, the Blues won the cup that summer that he brought in Falk. So every one of these, and even Nick Letty to a certain extent, because it was basically, you know, do you sign Letty or do you let him walk and bring back Perron? Well, goal scoring is not the problem. You, you need to find a defenseman, and he seemed to pair pretty well with Pareko in the short stint they were together. So every one of his signings I've not hated on terms of the defense as of late. If you were to ask me, when did you think they should fire Armstrong? It was before they won the Cup. I still think I look at what he's done since the Cup, and I say on, on paper mm -hmm. and at the time when it happened – I would have done the same fucking thing. Like, this is a great move. This should work out for the Blues. Right. Unfortunately, that's the, that's what we talk about with the analytical people, right? You have to play the games. Right. They're playing the games, and it hasn't worked out. Right. The, there's, the chemistry is not there. Whatever it is, this group doesn't can't put it together as, as a group. Um, you know, to your point on, you know, on those signings, we said at the time, you know, when, when we signed Tory Krug, we knew that Petro was gone, but you signed the next best defenseman that was available. And if you can do that at that price, that is a hell of a move. And, yep. uh, you know, we gave kudos to him at the time, but yeah, at, at this point, you've got to do something. You're stuck with this group. You've got to do something. And, you know, it, 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 I don't think the broadcasters are going to go after the coaching staff ever, no. uh, you know, no. because they're, you know, they're, they're all, all in it together. But, uh, yeah, Van Ryan at this point, I, you know, well, I'll has, just, I'll just finish yeah. my thought real quick and just say that. I, I agree. I do not think Doug Armstrong needs to go or Peter Chiarelli. Um, but, and it is kind of funny that of all the signings that he's done over the years, Armstrong that is, Steve Ott, Yori Laterra, um, 
uh, God, there's a million more that I can't even think of. Derek Roy, um, just so many bad, bad signings um, that this, and I, I would not be shocked. Now, Tom Stillman does seem to have his trust in Armstrong, but it is funny that this is the one time where like every one of his signings have been like, yeah, sure, that's not a bad signing. This could still be his downfall. This could still, maybe not this summer, maybe not next season, but this could be, holy shit, dude, you have hamstrung this this defense. And it's crazy to think that because, again, every time you looked at one of these signings, it was, that's a great signing. Good job, Doug. Not turning out that way. Right. And and I think, you know, the thing we paid the least amount of attention to is the term that everybody got. And that's that seems to be the downfall right now. Yep. So let's get into talking about uh, uh, firing Mike, Mike Van Ryan. Before we get to that, we'll read Kurt's uh, comment here. We've been saying fire Van Ryan for months, you hosers. <laughs> I think I believe it's it. pronounced Hofer. <laughs> I believe that's in response to uh to to my joke about him uh trying to you know push us on our you know he's he's beating us to our lead. Yes, yes. So uh that is the question right now, Bill. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people um are asking this question right now. How does Mike Van Ryan still have a job? And honestly, again, I mentioned that the defense could be the downfall for Doug Armstrong. This is a question for Doug Armstrong, uh, and this could be an issue. Why are you waiting so long to fire this guy? I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, same thing with um, when Mike Yo was clearly going to be fired. I mean, it was obvious. This team is playing a very lackluster elementary style of hockey after Doug had a huge offseason, went and got O'Reilly, Maroon, all the things he did to build that Stanley Cup roster. And they still just, in, in every game, we were sitting here basically counting the clock, like watching the clock. Okay, will Mike Yo be fired today? Will Mike Yo be fired today? And then finally it happened. It was, holy shit, what took you so long? And I think that's the same thing here with Mike Van Ryan. Mike Van Ryan was brought in, again, that Stanley Cup year. He brought in a man-to-man style in 2019. Uh, I'm sorry, 2018, 2019. But the Blues were armed with Alex Petrangelo, a much younger and less injured Colton Pareko, Jay Bomeister, Joel Edmondson, Carl Gunnarsson, and Vince Dunn. Uh, so, had I, I mean, you look at that sound defense. Um, before the turnaround, they had a, uh, that, that season that is, they had a 3.28 goals against per game, which was 24th, and, and not terrible, 30.0 uh, shots against per game, which was 8th. Let's also keep in mind Jake Allen was also in net uh, for, and Chad Johnson for a lot of those games. Uh, so clearly the defense was not getting it done, and as well as the offense. Um, Larry Robinson, who was an advisor to the team at the time, he had to be brought in to help around uh, the same time as the turnaround. So from uh, when he basically was brought in to help with the defense, uh, the Blues had a, a had gone uh, for the rest of the season with a 2.14 goals against per game, which was second, and a 27.3 shots against per game, which was tied for first with the Boston Bruins. Um, and so, again, I, but yes, the, the goals against per game has to do with Jordan Bennington stepping in and playing fucking incredible. One of the best runs we'll ever see from a goalie. But 
uh, he was struggling then. And he, this defense has struggled since. Um, even the year that they had Petrangelo after the cup run, they were good. They were pretty good. But there was a lot of the same things we saw now. A lot of backdoor stuff. A lot of tap-ins in front of the net. Um, just not good defensive play. And it's it's this structure that doesn't, it's going to work for some teams. It doesn't work for the Blues. Uh, this season, up until the games tonight, uh, they had a 3.56 goals against per game, which was 25th, and 31.9 shots against per game, which is 22nd. So basically, if you take away Larry Robinson, which this team has, uh, the defense sucks. So I beg the question again, Bill, why is Mike Van Ryan still employed by the St. Louis Blues? Mm. Matt Harris thinks it's because he has naughty picks of Armstrong. Possible. That's one explanation. Yeah, I I think it's it's hesitancy to make uh, make a change midseason um, in when it's not your head coach. Um, you don't see it too often, but at this point, you know, don't the Blues have to try? I mean, you can't. We talked at nauseum tonight about how fairly unmovable the pieces are here, right? Maybe maybe somebody takes flyer on Krug. Maybe Edmonton wants Mikola. You got two guys gone. Maybe that, that starts to change things and you start finding other chemistry. I just don't, you know, I, I, I think you got to bring somebody in who can get Colton Pareko right. I think that has to be the number one job of the defensive coach on this team. And yeah. I, I don't trust Van Ryan to be that guy at this point. Um, There's got to be a new, and again, implementing new styles for anybody who's ever played the game. It's hard to do even in a short training camp. Uh, doing it mid-season is very difficult. So, like you said, Bill, I get the slight hesitation of, well, I don't want to make this change now because it's going to be hard on these guys to figure out a new strategy, but it can't get much fucking worse. Can it? <laughs> I mean, no, again, Bennington maybe lately has not played his best, but he's still facing backdoor chance after backdoor chance. You can't, I don't care what level of hockey you're at. If you're allowing multiple backdoor chances a game, your defense ain't doing the job. And, and it's not just that. I mean, it's breakaways. It's, you know, uh, not having good neutral zone play leading to turnovers. There's a lot that's not going right with this team. And I hate to put it all on Van Ryan because it is personnel. It is head coaching. I'm sure all it, it, it all ties in together. But right now, again, you talk about what can I do? You know, what, what can I do right now to, to make this defense better? Can't trade Falk, can't trade Crew, can't trade Pareko, can't even trade Scandella, can't trade Letty. Like, I can't sit these guys either because I want their value to be up. And and honestly, there's so much money tied into them, you can't send them down. And um, it's it just it's just the schematics don't work. So what can I do? You can fire your defensive coach. That's about it. That's really all you can do right now outside of maybe trading Mikola. 
which isn't going to do much. Right. Except it kind of forces Baruby's hand to put Rosen in. Like, seriously, you know, we, we are not the biggest proponent of advanced stats, but he is, he's an advanced stats darling this year. And maybe he's getting the favorable matchups, but I have a feeling that he was sat last night with Krug coming back in because Bruby's just not comfortable having two guys of the same stature on the defense out there. He'd rather have big guys with long reach that chase the puck all over the place because they're big guys. I don't know. I, that just, that, that was such a head scratcher to me, um, you know, to have, have Rosen out of the lineup, but Tucker and Mikula both there. Um, yeah, it just it didn't make any sense. And so maybe maybe if you get Krug or sorry, Mikola, you know, off the roster, um, that opens up that spot for for Rosen to be in there every night, which I think he deserves to be at this point until he proves us otherwise. Obviously, I don't think he's gonna keep those numbers up long term, especially if he starts getting higher level minutes. I don't see that happening in terms of the higher level minutes, but I don't think I, I still think the biggest problem is going to be Pareko and getting him to play defensive hockey night in, night out. That has got to so, be the number one priority. I, I mean, I, I can't, I'm not even thinking of any name that is even possibly tied to trade rumors, except Jacob Chikrin. I don't know how, well, okay. Besides him, he's the only one I can think of. Um, the only thing I could think you could really do to, to make Colton Pareko better is, again, you're going to have to move, find a way to move Falk or Krug, and even maybe Nick Letty. Bring in a number one defenseman. Get somebody who's actually a number one, and then move Pareko down to your number two or three, which is what he was when Petrangelo was here. I think that's the only thing you can do to make him work on this roster. Um, trotting him out there as a number one. They've tried it now for two seasons. It ain't working. He is clearly not a number one. And I think with that contract, the beauty of the contract, even though it's a long one, is the teams will look at that and say, hey, he's a great supplemental piece for our defense. But again, the problem is, is he going to waive his no trade? So I think the only thing you can right. do is bring in somebody else to take some of his minutes but who's out there for that? And I question, I mentioned Jacob Chikrin. If you bring him in again, that's going to be a lot more money going into your defense. So you got to move one of the other high price guys. Is he that much better than Pareko in terms of defense? He's a great puck mover. Um, great shot. Good power play guy. And he's structurally a good defenseman. But I mean, in terms of actually playing D, yeah, he's a big guy, but he plays similar to Pareko. So I don't know if that's that big of an upgrade to make a big risk like that. Yeah. Um, Ken, Ken asks in the chat, what number one D are available? I think Chickren's probably the closest one. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously he's Arizona's number one, but uh, I, I don't know that he would be a number one across the league. Um, and then uh, whew, long comment here from Matt Harris. Uh, Krug just hasn't been a good fit. 
Uh, other than running the power play, I don't know if you can move him. To me, you move Tarasenko for whatever because he is leaving in July anyway. Try and find common ground with O'Reilly, but if you can't move him, oh boy, uh, I got to actually close it to read the rest. Uh, if you do move him, you can try and circle back on him in July. Um, oh wow, that's a great comment here by. Uh, actually, I'm gonna give the, I'm gonna give this comment of the show. I usually give it to funny. This is a great comment here from, uh, I'm going to say Carissa Butler. I think that's a new live listener. Uh, can you imagine dealing Letty? And we lost Perron for that. What? A, how about this one? They trade Nick Letty for David Perron. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people would be like, well, th- you're just making up for a wrong. Yeah, right. I, I, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I I I think Letty's probably been the steadiest guy. Um, Letty and Falk have been the steadiest two guys. Uh, Agreed. And if if we're picking and choosing who's staying, I want those two guys here. Yeah, I agree. If they can move Krug and Pareko, I would be. And and I actually like Krug. I don't have a problem with Krug either. Again, individually, these guys are great. It's just they're not gelling. But yeah, I, I think I agree with you. If you can keep two of them, I keep Letty, I keep Falk. Great supplemental pieces. I think Letty is a, he's not your number two, but I think he plays with your number one. Right. And I think Falk uh, is basically your number two. Put him out there on the power play, put him out there even on kills. Excuse me. And I think and he's he, had, I think that's a great, go ahead. I, yeah, I think he's run down at this point because he's played more like a number one this year. Yep, and and at this point in his career, he's you know he is much better suited as as that number two guy, and yeah, it, it's <sighs> this is depressing. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because and and I think that's and again going back to the Doug Armstrong conversation, should he be on the hot seat? Um, it's funny because um, I, I remember a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine. Eddie Garcia of the Puck Podcast. I remember before the Blues won the Cup, talking with him about how, you know, the Kings, they won the first Cup. Clearly, they won a second one, too. But they won that first Cup, and they just started retaining everybody. Kopitar gets a big deal. Dowdy gets a big deal. Dustin Brown gets a big deal. Um, Mike Richards. Jeff Carter, Mike Richards. Like, all these guys start getting huge deal. Alec Martinez, I believe, was another one. Uh, Johnny Quick, they all get these big deals. And I remember asking him before they won the second one, how are you going to react in three years when, you know, a guy like Dustin Brown, which is what happened, wasn't the guy he was. Um, and this team's not performing. What do you, you know, how are you going to feel? I don't give a shit. They won a Stanley Cup. And how, how do you respond? Do you call it a tip to the Border Patrol? Hey, Mike Richards is coming across. You might want to check his luggage. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. No, I and I, I remember th- hearing him say that to me and just being like, okay, that is, you know what? I think I would feel the same way. And, uh, and, and like I said, lucky for him, they won a second one. So that just added to why it was good what they did. But, you know... I, I thought about it when the Blues won the Cup, and they I remember they re-signed Braden Shen. Remember, he was all over trade rumors. Uh, they re-signed Shen. They re-signed, um, um, oh, hell, who was the other guy they re-signed right after the Cup? Uh, drawing a blank, but either way, they re-signed a couple, uh, uh, well, Biddington, a couple years later. 
uh, got a pretty big deal. And I remember thinking, okay, this is, uh, this is, you know, all great. Well, now we're in fucking cap hell because of these contracts. And guess what? Most of these guys were not on the cup team. So if somebody were to ask me that question, well, how do you feel about that cup now after all these contracts? These guys weren't on the cup team. So I'm pissed about them. Like, again, I, I'm not mad at Armstrong himself because I think at the time I agreed with all of them. But this isn't the same question as what the Kings did, what the Blackhawks did. These guys are all signed. So they, they win the cup. Some guys move on. They trade a couple of them. They go out and sign these other guys to win another cup, and it ain't working. Um, that, to me, is another thing that, that Stillman can point to and say, okay, you did this after the cup win. I'm sorry. You got to go. You didn't do this right. This is You didn't manage it well. And unfortunately for Armstrong, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, I, I still don't see that happen. I still don't see Armstrong leaving here not on his own terms. I think Stillman Stillman has all the trust in the world with him. He'll give him every chance to fix it. And, you know, Blues, Blues fans like us have a long memory. We won the cup. You know, we still, you know, will, you know, at the end of the off season, talk about how great it is that we won the cup four years ago. Yeah, when they miss the playoffs this year, I'm still going to be like, well, at least I saw a cup win. Yeah. That's what's going to make me feel better. Right. Uh, Unlike people like Austin Lynch who weren't born when the Blues won the cup. (laughs) That's right. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Ken Morris asked, did not the Kings trade Shen and Wayne Simmons for Mike Richards? Yes, they did. Um, So that was, yeah, that was Shen going to Philly, which is where the Blues got him from. Uh, How much cocaine was involved in that deal? Seriously, stop and think about it. Mike (laughs) Richards busted at the border with, I don't know if it was cocaine, but it was some kind of drug. He he was found, he got busted first in Las Vegas, right? The poolside in Las Vegas um, with with some drugs in his... uh, in his swim trunks, I think. And then going yeah. across the Canadian border, he got busted. And then, you know, so Braden Shen's like the clean element here. Um, and he gets traded for, for him. And then he gets traded for Latera. Huh? Interesting. Never thought about that a, till now. Trying to make a, make a connection here with Braden Shen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. I never thought about that. Right. That's he's, a good point. He's been, uh, been traded for the two biggest drug profile people in the league. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked at exhaustion about uh, the blue struggles and Kurt, uh, by the way, says I'm with you, Bill. I don't see Armstrong getting fired like ever. I can totally see that. I'm actually, unfortunately I'm begrudgingly with you guys as well. I, I think there comes, there's going to come a point where you have to, let me ask you this, Bill. Because this is where I think I draw the line. Blues decide it's a full-on rebuild. You know, Armstrong goes to Stillman says, we got to rebuild. We have to. We have to. We're going to get rid of these UFAs. Um, you know, we're going to next year, we got a couple other guys that are going to be UFA. We should move them too. Let's rebuild this roster. And in four to five years, Thomas and Cairo will be veterans. 
they can lead this club to another cup. Do you keep Armstrong through that? Do you do you accept him being the face of the rebuild? I I personally don't, but I think Tom Stillman does. I hate that. The guy has uh, been, and again, I've been a fan of his since the cup win. Um, before that, I was not. I thought he gave away too many draft picks. When he left Dallas, the cupboard was empty because he just kept making terrible trades and moving his first-round pick. I was in fear he was going to do that here with the Blues, too. But um, I, I just I think if you rebuild, you got to go with a new face. you got to get somebody else that's got a different mindset than Armstrong, who has always been a win-now guy. Uh, I want to win the cup. I want to win. We have to win. And I just right. I would go with somebody else, but I'm with you. I don't right. I don't know if Stillman makes that move. I, I think they have a you know Stillman system down for a serious conversation and, and just ask, you know, what do you think? Do you still have it in you? And he'll trust whatever he says. And yep. but it would be on Armstrong's terms if he said no. Yeah, very possibly. He knows he'll get another job somewhere. I mean, the old boys club in the NHL, right? Like these guys always find work. (laughs) (laughs) Now's a good time to set up a segue for one of our hopefully quickly upcoming segments. But just a reminder, Mike Yo is behind an NHL bench again. God, doesn't that just make you sick? Doesn't make sense. Well, speaking of being behind the bench, great segue, Bill. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks made a co- coaching change, but in a very messy way. We'll discuss that and get some of Bill's favorite cookie recipes after this word from Center Ice Brewery. Do you like hockey? No, of course you do. Do you like beer? Of course you do. Are you 21? Let's hope so. If you answered yes to all of those questions... Run on down to your local beer distributor and pick up a 2-4 of Old Arena Lager, the Beauty IPA, or any other delicious hockey-themed beer from Center Ice Brewery. That's right. Center Ice Brewery beer is available at various beer stores around town. So check around for the one closest to you. That's Center Ice Brewery. Let's go Blues. And it's cooking hour with Bill Day. Bill, what do you got for us? Um, yeah, so, uh, shortbread cookies, that's, that's the way to go. Can it, They're so easy to make and so hard to screw up. Yeah. Shortbread cookies. Mm. All right. Well, there's your favorite cookie recipes with Bill Day. I had to throw that one in there, Bill. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we talk about, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, but I don't know if you saw this. The NHL All-Star Skills Competition is going to have a couple new. Now, we saw it last year with Vegas uh, where they, you know, shot from the fountain. Um, they they did something else. Oh, yeah, they were shooting the, the playing cards with the accuracy shooting, which was awful. I hated that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they literally had to eliminate guys just because they didn't have enough cards left. <laughs> right? That drove right. me nuts. It was like, you're literally telling guys they can't compete because you don't have enough cards left. That's not fair. Yeah, the poorly, poorly constructed gimmick, right? It's, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, it's the all-star game. It's gimmicky, right? I, you know, they, they did some gimmicky stuff, you know, when it was, when, when it was here, right? The, yep. The all-star game. Um, 
it, it's it's just it's what they do. Um, you know, they I I like the this whole dunk tank idea just because it's a gimmick. Embrace it. It's a fucking carnival. Just yeah. embrace it. Right. So um, yeah, talking about the so your dunk tank idea we'll we'll get to here. The splash shot is what they're calling it. Basically it'll take place on the fort. So it's it's in Miami this year. It's well it's in um Florida. Uh, so it's going to take place on a Fort Lauderdale beach. It's going to be eight shooters, two in each division. Uh, players are going to com- compete head to head. Basically, uh, it's accuracy shooting. So you'll have all the targets you have to hit. And then, uh, after you hit those, you can attempt a dunk shot. So basically your, your player you're playing against, I guess will be, I'm guessing sitting on some kind of pedestal on top of a dunk tank. So once you hit all your attempts, uh, you're allowed to dunk your opponent. So it'll be interesting to see how this works and uh, who gets dunked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, somebody's going to walk up and push it at some point. If oh, yeah. if nobody can actually hit the target. So yeah, that's, I'll, I'll look forward to that. It's, it's nice and gimmicky. Um, yep. And you know, the, the pitch and puck, you know, that I like this idea too. If you're in Southern South Florida, you got to incorporate golf. Yeah. So the pitch and puck, uh, six stars play a par four course featuring an Island green. The lowest score wins. Uh, If there's a tie for fewest shots, it's the longest drive determines the winner. My question on this. So I didn't see if, if this was, is this actual golf or is this with like a stick and ball? Like a, like a hockey stick. I, I, I'm thinking it's it's all hockey related, whether yeah. it's a ball or a puck. All, uh, yeah, we'll, I guess we'll find out. Um, the details aren't there, so you tune in to find out. Right, yeah, and that's I guess that's part of this. Um, but I, I like that idea, too. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I'm with you. It's gimmicky. You know, I remember last year, uh, the wife and I just were sitting around and, uh, the kid went to bed early, and I was just like, let's turn on the All-Star Skills competition. She was like, uh, didn't really want to. But we watched it, and we actually ended up just having a couple drinks and enjoying it and having fun watching it. We talked all throughout it, so we didn't hear any of the commentary, which I heard a lot of the commentary was bad because it was like the um, the the one with the fountain shooting. I heard that basically whoever the announcer was, and and forgive me for not knowing it, uh, was basically just silent, like, and he would eventually, like, he would throw in a couple jabs at players, and it was just so awkward and cringy. So, I don't know. We'll see if that's the case this year. Hopefully, it's not. But there, uh, there's another big one that was uh, added, and and Bill, I don't know if this makes any sense to you. I I actually I'm gonna read this. It's pulled directly from ESPN.com. So this is how it was pitched to fans of the game. It's called the Tendi Tandem. Uh, so this is the exact quote here from ESPN.com. One goalie from each division will be designated the shooting goalie and one in the in-net goalie. The shooting goalie from a division will take a shot from his designated mark at a net. Three points will be earned if the shot goes in the hole. Two points if the shot hits the in-net target and no points if the shot misses the net. The in-net goalie from the opposing division will face three, two, or one players. 
depending on the points earned by the shooting goalie. A save earns the in-net goalie the points based on the number of players faced. The goalie tandem with the most total points wins. Does that make any sense to you? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I like the idea that you're, it, it kind of starts with a goalie accuracy shooting, and, and that cuts down the number of attempts that the shooters get. Right, so you've got an offensive side and a defensive side. You're not going to try having a goalie breakaway thing like they did a few years back. That was just terrible, right? So you've got a goalie shooting at a target to try to limit the number of shooters on the other guy. Okay, and so I I think okay. it's I think it's interesting. Um, you know, will you know will the goalies in this? You know, will they hit a target? Hopefully. Um, I was just trying to look real quick who uh, who the attendees are. Uh, Linus Olmark, um, Logan Thompson, uh, and hell, Logan Thompson. That What a great story this kid is. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He, he last year when Vegas was so bad, he kept getting sent out there night after night, getting hung out to dry, and he looked so good doing it. And he's having an all-star season, and he's getting rewarded for it. Love that story. Um, but Olmark, well, that that Thompson, that tells you that Robin Later is definitely getting traded when he comes back, right? <laughs> no way Vegas keeps him around because they don't keep anybody around, right? No, no, he's <laughs> he definitely gone if he makes it back. Um, but uh, Ilya Sorokin, Stuart Skinner, um, best mustache of any goalie uh, since Billy Smith, probably. Oh, Maybe yeah, Ron Hextall. Um, or so, Bill Day. yeah, 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 maybe you got maybe. quite, what are, you looks it, like you're, are you, are you growing this out a little bit more no, than the rest? No, just, yeah, it's the rest is just thin, but, huh. uh, actually I'm trying, if, if we ever get a game of Chell together, this is the look I'm going for on the game. So I'm trying nice. to bring that into real life. We got to do that. Know. I don't know what my problem is, but uh, yeah. So the goalies are Shesterkin and Sorokin uh, from the Metro, uh, Vasilevsky and Olmark from the Atlantic, uh, UC Soros, Connor Hellebuck from the Central, uh, Logan Thompson and Stuart Skinner. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, Soros is uh, that great of a puck handler. So I'm thinking Hellebuck's going to be the guy, but he's not that great. I don't think Central's going to do so well in this competition. <laughs> no, um, unless it's on the the defensive side of it. But uh, yeah, I I I will probably tune in just for this part. Uh, that and the Island Green on the the pitch and puck. So that'll be cool. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I. I actually, even though it's not as good to me as it used to be, because I don't think guys are as competitive as they used to be in this, but I do enjoy the the uh, festivities in terms of the competition here more than the game itself. More, you know, I watched the when they used to do the player draft when they had mm -hmm. the captains picking teams. I watched it; it was cool. It was kind of fun to watch guys kind of get a little tanked. But oh, this, yeah. to me, is the highlight the of the weekend. Of I I love this. I. I love, you know, and, and it's, you know, the NHL's fastest skater, the hardest shot, breakaway challenge and accuracy shooting. They're all coming back to that's all the, you know, it's kind of the focus of this event. Uh, so we'll still see that. But 
Um, yeah, the, the new stuff, yeah, sure. Add in more stuff. I'll say the one thing that I didn't like, and they brought it back last year for Vegas, just because Vegas was so showy. Uh, I do not like the, what is that called? Like the skills shootout or whatever, where guys are trying to do tricks. And oh, yeah. I just yeah. think that's so gimmicky and so it, over the top that I'm like, right. okay, can we just get through this faster, please? Yeah, it jumped the shark its first year in Montreal, right? You had Ovechkin yeah. with a safari hat and Patrick Kane with the Superman thing. And yeah. And that then, one pissed me off. Yeah. Because that was then, Brian Elli- Elliott in that when he shot yeah. that. Yeah. How, how did they think that was okay? What if one of those shards of puck went through his fucking... Uh, went through his mask. That yeah. that bothered me. Yeah, because it's like you know, you know that would have you know if there would have been a couple shots of that, you know it would have happened because it was Patrick Kane shooting on Brian Elliott. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been uh, quite the controversy. Oh luckily, yeah. Luckily, we didn't get there, and the NHL, uh, you know, thought better of it going forward until last year. But yeah, yeah. right. Don't don't like that one at all. Yep. Uh, also included women's national team players. And I love that they do this too. Uh, they'll join in the festivities. Uh, team USA's Alex Carpenter and Hillary Knight. Uh, and then Team Canada, Emily Clark, Rebecca Johnston, and Sarah Nurse will all be participating in these as well. So that's always fun to see them participate. Um, shit, we saw the, the one that got headlines was uh, Kendall Coyne Schofeld uh, in the Fastest Skater a couple of years ago. She was right there with yeah. every other NHL player. So uh, seeing these, what these women can do is always really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Sarah nurse is uh, the, the face of uh, the women's game on Chell. Uh, so yeah, glad that she's uh, getting this opportunity uh, to show her, her real life skills. Have you, uh, have you played any of the women's version of the game in Chell yet? Have not. I, I haven't either. I've, haven't gotten enough games in yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I've done a little bit. I, I've just played franchise mode, but um, I, uh, uh, I, I, when they in, uh, introduced it in 22, I did play one or two games. Um, it is a little different. Um, they do call a lot more penalties because I am a body checker in that game first and foremost. So they'll call you a lot more consistently on body checks. But um, you know, it's it's fun playing as the women and. Um, I probably should at least give it a shot. Like I said, the only mode I've played is franchise mode. I haven't done anything else. So um, I know all the online stuff's a lot of fun to play. I need to get into that too. Yeah, I've just been doing the offline world of chill stuff, the um, the pro am stuff. That's that's about all I ever have time for. I can fit in you know half an hour here and there, and then get a couple of those games in. But yeah, it's mostly what I do is I just sim through my season and then like. I'll sim each game and, you know, I'll go through. And then like in the third period, if I'm down by a goal or tie, yeah. I'll jump in and play. That's pretty right. much all I've been doing. That's how, that's what I used to do. Um, and yeah, just uh, don't, don't have time to construct a roster. So yeah, I like, I like the chill. The three on three stuff is fun. Yep. The world of chill. Um, and then Austin Lynch says, all right, I can't sleep. Fuck sleep. Let's go blues radio. More important. And then he asks, uh, wait, Jeff, uh, when am I fucking you up in NHL? Son, you have never been able to fuck me up in NHL. So don't even act like first, you're buddy. some badass, man. I cannot be beat. I want to play Bill. We need to make that happen soon. 
I'm I'm interested to see because I know you've played as long as I have, so it'd be interesting to see how good you are at that game. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to set it up and come up with some ground rules. So, yeah, <laughs> ground rules. <laughs> yep, definitely. Uh, Matt Harris agrees with us. He says I play exclusively franchise mode. Fuck the online modes. I'll tell you, Matt. And and this is my last point on this. The online modes have gotten a lot better over the years. I have, uh, I used to hate online too. Guys would just, you know, there's the kids that go on there and just play 10 hours a day. And then I'll go on there and their players are 99s and I'm a 60. They don't let that happen anymore. Uh, Basically, it's a little bit more of a level playing field. You don't need to worry about that. I'll go in and I remember my first game, I did the one-on-one-on-one, whatever that's called, the threes or whatever yeah. and i stomped a guy who clearly had been playing a long time because it said something like he had 50 games played already in like three days so it was like okay this is a little bit more level than i was expecting so it's gotten better uh so last thing we'll mention rapid fire tidbits from around the nhl the we've kind of referenced this a little bit already through the night the vancouver canucks fired head coach bruce boudreau and replaced him with former Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett and uh, now former uh, uh, TNT broadcaster Rick Tockett. Uh, And they did it, excuse me, they did it in the most public way possible. Uh, The Canucks Canucks went 110-1 in Boudreaux's final 12 games. President of Hockey Operations Jim Rutherford was critical of Boudreaux's performance in several media interviews throughout the season. Uh, He even implied that Boudreaux entered the season as the head coach only out of contractual obligation. So he was hired, basically he was hired by the last uh, president of hockey operations. So he even said, yeah, he's basically on the chopping block. Uh, Boudreaux stated that he knew for, quote, an awful long time that his time was up. He said he didn't feel surprised when he was finally let go. Um, I'll tell you, Bill, and I know you probably read a lot of the same stuff I've read, that um, his last game uh, that he coached, um, I don't remember what game that was, but I believe it was four nights ago, uh, he had he had invited in his other coaches into his office. They were basically drinking some kind of liquor. He was inviting players in one by one, saying their goodbyes, and it was still not even 100. Like, he still was not told he was fired, basically. Like he knew it was coming. He just mm-hmm. knew it. And right. it's because of what his president of hockey ops was saying to the media, what was being strewn through. We, we heard Rick Tockett was interviewing before Boudreaux was fired. I mean, all of it was a circus in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, the, the rumors got out, you know, and, and that's, that's naturally how it's going to work. Right. Is especially in a, in a, in a, a Canadian market where it's going to get out and Jim Rutherford owned it right to his credit. He owned it, said, yeah, I let it get out of hand. And he basically said, I am stepping back. I'm no longer going to be the face of this team. And the, the assistants going to take that over now. Um, and I, I think it's, probably probably the right way to go um but uh yeah uh, i don't know i i like the idea that got floated quickly after talk it was officially announced and that was uh have boudreaux take his spot on the tnt panel 
I think that'd be pretty good. He was awesome. he was doing work. Uh, he was doing work in between his gig, uh, TV work, but in between uh, being fired by Minnesota and hired by Vancouver. So yeah, uh, NHL Network, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. I don't know. It it's it was a shit show. Um and uh yeah, hopefully we don't we don't wind up having to go through anything like that here. Um Yeah, and and like that and that's the thing that sucks is like listen, Vancouver is is been underperforming for years even before Boudreaux was there to me. They've been underperforming. Um but the when the focus is on when are they going to fire the head coach? That sucks for everybody mm-hmm. involved. I mean, you yeah. never like to see, you know, we're sitting here talking about how Mike Van Ryan is terrible and needs to be let go. At the same time, you don't want to see anybody let go of their job. It's terrible, and I hate even, like, as a person talking about it and wanting it. And I know that there's, like, a ton of people who have been involved in this situation who feel awful about what happened. So let's just add that caveat in there, too. But, like, when the focus of the team is – they're going to fire the head coach. When is it going to happen? The, the players hate that. Right. Obviously, the coach hates it. The president of Hockey Ops, who's kind of been the one behind it, he hates it because that shouldn't be the focus of your team. It's just a bad situation all around. And, and yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, Jim Rutherford did uh, basically come out and apologize and say, I'm sorry I let it get this far. Uh, it was him. That, that let it happen. So yes, owning it was huge. Um, but I actually feel like he didn't actually apologize to Bruce Boudreaux. I would have liked to have seen that saying, I'm sorry to Bruce for what happened. It was more of a, I'm sorry that I let it get this far. I'm sorry. I let this happen. Apologize directly to Bruce. I think he deserves, he's a good man. He's, you know, we joke about um, his inability to succeed in the playoffs, but He's a good coach. He's a good man. Seems like players love him. So he's going to land on his feet, like you said, whether it's in uh, in the panel somewhere or if it's another coaching gig, he's going to be fine. But, uh, yeah, you, you hate to see it unfold the way it unfolded. Right. And you, you can't treat an original cast member of Slapshot with that kind of disrespect. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that. Uh, we got a question. Uh, we'll wrap up with this one. Uh, Austin Lynch. Hey, hockey guys. What do you think of the all-star jerseys? Uh, so if those have not seen them, uh, just go on social. You'll see them. Just go to NHL.com. Uh, they're basically throwbacks uh, to the old, old uh, Western versus Eastern jerseys. I love them. I personally yeah. love them. Bill, how about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, Aren't these aren't they throwbacks to the ones that they wore the last time the All Star game was in Florida? I believe I, so. Yeah. So they're you know the NHL and Adidas doing this whole you know sticking with the retro reverse retro thing. Uh, I I like them. Um, you know, like I I said in the chat to Austin, much better than those motocross <laughs> oh. terrible things that they had a couple of years ago. Yeah, those were terrible. I hated those. I I. The last all-star jerseys, honestly, I think I liked was the ones in Minnesota. I think that was 04. Uh, the green oh, ones, the green yeah. Western ones that had Western across the, mm-hmm. I have one of those. That's yeah. one of the, that's the last jersey I think that I've really liked. I like this one a lot. I'm considering maybe getting one. We'll see. Yeah. Who's, you have somebody on there. 
a player on that jersey, or is it somebody I know had a Sheldon Surrey one? Oh, you're talking about in the 2004 jersey? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't have a name on that one. Mm. Somebody I know had a Sheldon Surrey one, and that it, it, nice. it was pretty sweet. But talk about a player from an era. Well, now you got me thinking because I wasn't going to get a plain one if I got one this year, but I might have to get a name on there. You know what? I don't have a Tarasenko jersey. So, even though it's his last year here, likely, maybe that's what I get. Yeah, why not? Pull a bill with David Perron, right? (laughs) Uh, Anything else, Bill? Are we uh, ready to wrap her up? Uh, Yeah, we're 15 minutes behind what we wanted, so let's go ahead and shut her down. I agree. I agree. It's been a very long day at the Ponder House, so I'm with you. Uh, so, support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by ID Life, the world's only truly personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment of your DNA. Visit rockinthatidlife.com for more information. That's rockinthatidlife.com and get 10% off by emailing Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And by Mike Burgoyne from Real Brokerage Realty. Visit strikewithmike.com today for all of your home buying and selling needs. That's strikewithmike.com. Excuse me. And by Center Ice Brewery, St. Louis's hockey, I'm sorry, St. Louis's tasty hockey themed beer. Check out your local beer vendors for availability. That's Center Ice Brewery beer. Please drink responsibly. That will wrap up episode 18 of season 11 of the original St. Louis Blues hockey podcast let's go blues radio thanks for listening and thanks to those who participated in the youtube and facebook live chats during the show uh we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you for the absent kurt price and bill day i'm jeff ponder until next time everyone get well kurt price we need you next week let's go blues let's go blues uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. I want you to have a heart attack and die so that we never have to do this shit again. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friends.